Individually, they are a force to be reckoned with. But when they join together, they become Unplugged Radio. Prepare to be swept off your feet as Greg Person, the lover, takes the stage. But wait, what illusion is this? It is no trick. It is Jake Hutton, magician, for your viewing pleasure. Look out! The sensational sensei himself, Mike Rossi, warrior on display. Bow down and grovel at his feet as John Vanas, king, utters his decree. Welcome to another amazing episode of Unplugged Radio. I'm your host, Greg. I'm your host, John. And I'm a semi-reoccurring guest, Corey. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you back, Corey. Thank you very much. So right off the rip, you'll notice that Mike couldn't be here with us tonight, but that doesn't mean you won't get to enjoy uh, a healthy serving of Mike Rossi. No. In fact, this episode is all about the Crossroads GT. And while we're at the GT, Mike uh, recorded several interviews with some of the teams at the event. So throughout this episode, we're going to splice in those recordings. And in fact, the very first one is coming to you right now. Hello, we are here at Crossroads. It is Friday night. I am with the A-team, uh, composed of... John McCready. Mike McCready. Alex Coos. Steve MacArthur. They are awesome. Uh, we're okay. They're great. Uh, so, <laughs> right, so what I want to do is, I got a question for you guys. So, so, so COVID happens, and you might as a giant cur- a steel curtain has dropped between Canada and America, and no one was allowed to. We, I couldn't see any of you, right? With, um, it made me very sad for a couple of years. This is the first time I'm actually seeing you guys face to face in, in like since yes, it's like a couple of years ago, right? Sadness. So happy to have you back. What was it like? Um, for you guys being you know north of the wall uh, for that for that period of time so I think we were just starting to get into the groove of being part of the northeast region like I think it was like getting we were, we were feeling part of the community or the greater community right at, right around the time of like that crossroads and best of the rest and you know we were getting people excited in Canada coming down to GTs and it, it really hurt to like just have that taken away from us initially sure but on the flip side like our community kind of like we looked inward and we actually grew quite a bit on our own so it sucked not being able to come down here and play with everyone down in the northeast mid-atlantic midwest regions but like i think we just like we knew it was going to happen eventually right so we just kept on building the community and now we have two teams here this weekend from our from our area so it's awesome i think it's just like it sucked but we use it as an opportunity to grow sure internally sure so so you guys now now john you run you were running a bunch of like one day i know that you were integral in running the 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 major two-day event up in canada yep. right um for you what was it like like i know that so i on the on the northeast rep so i get the i get the results from you guys for the for the one dayers and the things that you guys run, right? And it was it was interesting to me. I was like, man, I hope they're okay. And it's like, okay, we had eight people, we had twelve people, 
we had 16 people. Hey, wait, something's happening up there, right? So, like, what was that like? So, like Alex said, we were able to look inwards and we were able to really grow our own community without having to rely on, as awesome as you guys are, we couldn't count on you guys making it across the border in time. I mean, we had Chris come across and a couple guys snuck in here and there, but being able to work on our own community and really pump that up has been really, really good. And now we had, yeah, we had, I think, 20 people and 17 were Canadians for our last two-day event. So it's a huge, huge increase. It's giant, right? giant so what was the biggest challenge in getting in getting the numbers up like how how do you get people out of their basements and out to like the the club what is what is that like it's chloroform you <laughs> abduct them from you home find them and first, bring though. them to the store <laughs> yeah we have people to help us find them <laughs> that is that is a creepy statement like like he's cut one of them is here this weekend ben tersh we call <laughs> we call him the dude hunter for a reason <laughs> okay would you like to expand on that? Because that also now just sounds sexy and creepy. No, I think everyone can find it on their own. <laughs> Watch your internet searches, kids. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so what, what do you guys think about your your uh, your chances this weekend? I My personal opinion is you guys are the second best team here, right? Which is the kiss of Stop. death. Lies. Stop. Obviously, we're going to win the whole thing. Obviously. Oh, obviously. <laughs> You're killing me. That's why you don't give the mic to Mike. <laughs> I'll hand it off. Right. So seriously, like, what, what do you, what do you think your chances are? I mean, you guys are, you guys are all legitimate killers, right? So, is, are there bad matchups? You know, what, what is your strategy going into this? Now, this won't come out until afterwards. So obviously, whatever strategy you did, we'll see whether it worked or not, right? But what, what is, your, what is your plan? I just want to stick to my instincts this year. I, sometimes I try to do a little, little matchup by committee and I'll ask opinions and this year I'm just it's all going to be on me wow Dic- dictator coos yeah <laughs> so we've elected a tyrant we're all comfortable with that because yeah. we all individually make awful choices so we're going to put it all onto one so that we don't have a committee of awful choices and it's just down to one there it's, it is yeah. so basically my Kings of War philosophy this year has developed into I want to make everyone else as uncomfortable as I feel <laughs> all the time. So I want to make everyone's life miserable in the most pleasant way possible this wow. weekend. Wow! And as far as I'm concerned, there's a four-hour drive at the end of this, and that whole drive is going to be way easier if we can just scapegoat one of us. <laughs> That's my take. I got it. I yeah. totally... Yes! With resp- great responsibility, etc. Right? So... <laughs> amazing so seriously like how do you guys think give you guys have seen the seen the list you guys what do you think in terms of like looking at the list of the caliber of players and everything else where do you top third middle third bottom third were we supposed to read all those <laughs> noted all right we'll move on to the next question john doesn't read <laughs> i can't read all right so he's like I'm a gonna... stiff prick he goes where he's shoved <laughs> <laughs> alex get to shoving <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this topic. It's getting scary. So, all right. So with the new with the new uh, Clash of Kings pack coming out, if there was one thing that you would want to see in the game, either to make it more interesting or more balanced, what is it that you would like to see? Elves get a monster. But that isn't a dragon. No, like just a monster, not a hero. I, we got enough heroes. I need a monster. Okay. Any monster, I'll take anything. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see Night Stalkers come down a little bit, which will be good. 
but I hope they don't take it too far and make it, you know, so they're a little underpowered again. Okay. Right. So don't overcorrect. Right. I think it won't happen, but maybe some That's sort of effect on the, the really cheap unlocking infantry units, zombies, draugr, scarecrows, I'd like to see them less appealing as make them either don't unlock anymore make them irregular or just make 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 it so that you can't just take three or four of them to unlock all the nice expensive fancy stuff okay all right yeah i think alex has raised a good point but i'm gonna echo mike's statement because i currently have a half completed night stalker army that i'm currently working on and i would hate if i ended up being too slow for the bandwagon. I, regretting life choices. You right. Know? Yeah. So if, if Night Cause, if Night Stalkers just come down a little bit, I'd be okay with that. Okay. I can see that. I can totally see that. So in terms of like, I, uh, you're the second group of people that I've spoken to. One of the other pre- one of the other groups said um, new scenarios. A new scenario sure, or two absolutely. would be cool. Sure. That being said, scenarios are like broken up usually into three parts. It's either like board control or tokens or, you know, uh, objectives. Right. right. So something totally different maybe make a change to an existing scenario what do you guys think I we personally in our community just generally dislike the bluff token scenarios I don't think I don't think necessarily bluff token scenarios are flawed in in general but I think the current ones don't work the way that they are intended or they don't really mix things up in a positive way I think something to replace them would be beneficial I think what was it? Scour or something? The the, the uh, progressive scoring scenario from like three or four years yeah. ago. I know progressive scoring is like problematic. I love it, but right. I think having some element of it, you know, can be help could be helpful to mix things up. Sure. Uh, I'd like to see them do a variance on kill. Kill has a place, I think, in you know managing some tournament builds, but it's just a little bit boring. So having some additional objective built into it or something like that would be fun. I want to see something new. We've been brainstorming new scenarios to run at one-day tournaments, and I think there's a lot of options to do stuff that include terrain or, like, terrain that has an effect, like a radiance of life on something or a cloak of death on something to give a board positioning play, but something new would be nice. That's cool. Uh, Sort of to play off John's statement, we're something that... Uh, scenarios that play a bit more in, into the board, where you've got like a, a terrain, you've got more of a uh, a terrain setup based scenario that uh, gets away from the like the great sort of terrain that we set up, but it, it is sort of static and repetitive somewhat. So scenarios that affect the layout of the board a bit more. Okay. So here's another question for you, because actually I, I love that idea. One of the things that you will find when you go to most tournaments, or even when I, at my house, I have a set of terrain. That set of terrain is two hills, two woods, two buildings, two fences, and a, and a pond. What if, you know, do you think that we should be getting away from that in the games that we play? Right? Like, we're going to play in a forest. There's a lot more forest. Or we're going to play in a town. or we're gonna, Like, are there other things that we could do besides the same set? I think that, like, the Epic Dwarf map packs are great insofar as they give you a balanced play experience every time but are you sacrificing something for that balanced play experience is that is that a thing right I see a lot of I, I think so I think so I believe so I think you know I think it might have been even Fred from Epic Dwarf he suggested like the double forest at some point right so two adjacent forests that aren't one forest right just to kind of like create some interest or difference in the play experience because 
you're right. Those 20 maps, we've all played them all. Right. Even the dick one. Like, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous, by the way. Yes. Ridiculous. It is. Right. The, the balance train is much easier to manage across a tournament experience. Like, as we've run a lot of one days and stuff, and our crew is used to playing them now, so it gives a balanced play experience for them. To have to throw something new in would be fun. It just sure. we all got to make new terrain, which is no big deal. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just I was gonna basically say, say the same thing John did. Where having more varied terrain at an event would be a lot more fun. You know, if you have one forest table and one table that's mostly hills or something like that, it'd be a lot more fun to play on. But does kind of complicate the competitive scene. Sure. Right. And, and and that's totally valid and fair, right? In the big scheme of things, tournaments are different than tournaments are much different than like on a Friday night. Yeah, we'll play Whatever. some different stuff. We'll try new right. stuff at a tournament. Though, if I bring a herd army that's all Pathfinder, and I got the forest table on the last round, I'm feeling pretty sweet, <laughs> right? Whereas if I'm dwarves on a forest table on the last round, I'm like, well, shit, right? It's it's not the best. Get ready to move two and a half. <laughs> right. So, all right. So, um, is there anything before we wrap up? Is there anything that you would like anyone, any of our, any of our uh, listeners to hear? Um, any other thoughts that you want to share about, let's say, the scene that's up in Canada? Any announcements to make? Anything else that? You, any opinions? Anything at all? Right. We do. We have a one-day tournament in October on the fifteenth called the Spooky Murder Ghosts. There is a pack available already, and you get to bring your own special twenty mil character. That's your own Spooky Murder Ghost. That is so amazing, right? And then we will be planning a two-day GT in March, most likely called the March of Death, and uh, help me celebrate my birthday and uh, come to play a GT up in the Great White North. Hopefully, it's thawed out a little bit by March. That is awesome. That is awesome. Cool. Anything else? No. No? No? Yes. I, well, just... Uh, mic in your face. <laughs> mic in the face. Hey, now. Mike's got a mic in my face. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, just that uh, we've said it before, but we'll say it again. I mean, the Kings of War scene in Ontario is ascendant right now. Right? A lot more people coming in. There's a lot more talent coming in, like painting talent and hobby talent. And it's just a fantastic community up there, and it's only going up. So... Anyone who wants to make the crossing, right? Or anyone who hears this and is in Ontario and hasn't engaged with it, please come out. Because all sorts of people have just been jumping into this hobby with both feet, and it's been fantastic. That's awesome. Awesome. All right, gents. Best of luck tomorrow. Um, if we play each other, no luck. But after that, <laughs> all the luck in the world. Right. Of course, Mike. Of Thanks, course. Mike. Yes. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. Hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Okay. Crossroads GT. Corey, you're the <laughs> tournament organizer. What do you want to tell us about it? All right. So for probably most of the people listening know what Crossroads is, but for people that haven't attended, uh, where we are is located kind of on the southern border in the middle of New York State and Pennsylvania. So we get pretty much a confluence of players from the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic region. And if I were to take a guess, we probably had all the players from both regions there this year. Uh, we had 80 players in attendance, which I think is pretty freaking amazing. Um, we have in the past and brought it back again this year, um, a four-player team tournament style event for Crossroads. So you're competing as a team and not in just individual matchups. And I think I really dig that format. I think a lot of people do. It's unique and uh, offers something uh, different than your typical standard games. Very fun. Yeah, so I mean, uh, this was pr probably our biggest turnout since uh, since we've been doing Kings of War, which I think was pretty amazing. So we had a full room, 
Uh, we do a dinner buffet, a Mexican buffet put on right at a hotel there. Uh, the venue is in a hotel, the same hotel we've been in for 17 years now. So nobody has to go anywhere. It's a seriously great hangout weekend. I think people are hanging out from Friday night on. So it's just a, a weekend of shenanigans. It really is. And I think, you know, the fact that we, you pulled 80 players for this is a testament to the quality of event that you have a reputation for running. I also think so many of us, and we, we've talked about this, uh, like us um, tournament organizers in the Northeast, there, there's like an abundance of two-day events now. And so sometimes it can be hard to pull people from out of region because there's plenty of events within their region. But Crossroads is a little unique because one, it is situated closer to some other folks maybe than like Cape Cod is for Orktown or, or Connecticut right. or Massachusetts for Unplugged. But also it offers such a unique gaming experience with the four-man team tournament. So it's unlike what people are going to be able to um experience at gts maybe within their own region and so that kind of pulls them out but then also the fact that you've made it so uh, all-inclusive right like the dinner being catered on saturday night and just the hangout being uh you know it goes as late as we want it (laughs) we have the gaming (laughs) hall open until we decide to turn in for the night uh, for some I've of got, us, that's I've very, very late. <laughs> that game all later into the night. I can't stay up till three in the morning anymore. <laughs> that's a killer. But, but yeah, it really <laughs> is like, <laughs> yeah, it really is like kind of a lock-in event. Um, yeah, I even put in, you know, I wanted some groceries and a pint of non-dairy Ben and Jerry's, and I had DoorDash deliver that right to my hotel room. So yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Greg's got this all figured out. <laughs> <laughs> so it was great. So that is uh, the event that took place a couple weekends ago. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, on this episode. Before we go any further though, John, you had a hobby update you wanted to get into and I would be remiss if I didn't allow you to do that. Uh, yeah, so I, I've been painting a lot lately, uh, hobbying a lot, um, and this past weekend, I finally got my pre-order copy of uh, Into the Dark, which is the new Kill Team set. Um, it, apparently, my box was lost in translation somewhere, stuck on a barge coming over from the UK, um, so I did not get it on release weekend, which was actually Crossroads weekends, um, so I wouldn't have been able to pick it up anyway. Uh, but I was very excited for this set uh, to come out. And so I finally got to pick it up and I spent all weekends building miniatures and putting things together. Um, and then I went to the hobby store today because I needed to get a couple of supplies so I could start painting this stuff. And uh, it was kind of a, 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 a sequence of events. Like the hobby store is usually not open on Mondays, but it's Columbus Day, so they were open. I was like, oh, perfect. I, I got out of work a little bit early and I, I popped over to the uh, game store. Um, and I needed a couple of colors, particularly for... Uh, this kill team terrain that I was building. Um, but while, when I go to the hobby store, I always like to just look at stuff too and see uh, what I could possibly spend my harder money on, perhaps. <laughs> it's fun to, to uh, look around. Um, so I was looking through the paint racks, and this store is like more like a train and model store. So they've got, oh, I don't know, like full racks of like seven different paint brands. 
because they they carry things like Tamiya and Testers and and Vallejo and AK and MIG and all the like ones that yep. a lot of us don't use in the um, the miniature painting realm so much too. Um, but I was looking through the rack and I noticed uh, that they had Vallejo model. Co- um, what's the name of it now? Mo- um, Is it game color? No, not game color. It's not model color. It's the metal metal color. It's called metal color. Um, and I've been a fan of the Vallejo metal, um, some of their other metal paints for a long time. Um, their normal, like game color metal paints are, are fine. They're not amazing or anything, but they're just as good as a lot of the other brands, I think in terms of acrylic metal paints, but I've really liked their liquid metal series, which are the alcohol based, the other solvent based ones. Um, they're just a little bit challenging to work with because you can't put water in them or they rust out um, and you have to dilute them with alcohol and stuff. Um, but they go on really, really smooth. The shine they produce is fantastic. Uh, and I re- if the area is big enough, I, I really enjoy working with those. But this is supposed to be like an, an intermediate. And these come out a couple of years ago. They're not new, but they're called Metal Color. And it's a water-based paint, um, but supposed to be really good coverage, really good shine. And so I finally picked one up and I've been saying for a lot of years, like, yeah, but I already have all these other bottles of metal paint. Like it can't be that different. Right. Um, but I recently did a giant terrain project and I used up a bottle of one of my other metal, metal paints, like a silver paint. I said, all right, this is my perfect opportunity. I'm at the store here. Let me just splurge and get some of these metal colors. And let me tell you something. They're freaking amazing. They like, water-based paint but it separates or it it like mixes like the alcohol-based paint does i don't know how they do that magic um and it goes on so smooth and the coverage is just incredible and i don't think i can ever go back to normal metal paints again so it's a game changer for me uh, and now i'm remiss i didn't buy them years ago yeah that is a glowing recommendation which specific colors did you try and you know in what capacity were you using them so they've got uh i don't know 10 or 12 colors in the line maybe ranging from you know a couple of different like shades of silver and then some like anything from bronze to gold in that like uh the the brownish goldish spectrum um i got the just base color silver and i had looked at a couple of other ones there's a there's a darker one as well. And I said, oh, probably, probably a darker one too. But I ended up going with the lighter color silver because I plan to put um, oil washes over the top of it. And so it dark, it like darkens it out naturally. It's like, I don't want to start too dark because the whole point is to not have to highlight these. If, 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 the, if the metal paint is shiny enough, you shade down and then you don't have to highlight back up. Um, and uh, so I, I, I was building a terrain piece again. Um, and uh, yeah, I just... It goes on super, super smooth, and the coverage is super great. Like, what I was doing three coats on to get smooth coverage from, like, a black undercoat to a bright silver, I'm doing in one coat now. That's pretty awesome. I mean, gold is such a pain in the ass with any typical metal paint. Yeah, sometimes they can. They really can be very finicky. Um, So for anybody out there who's, you know, in the market for new paints, I uh, would highly recommend the Vallejo metal color line and if you happen to try it um and use some of the other colors um you know drop a drop a comment on our facebook page i'd really be interested to know how you like the other colors um and how you enjoy the the paint range in general 
On a side note, I also picked up some AK Interactive paints because that's another paint range that I've been interested in trying out. And I haven't actually tried them. I bought like six or five, seven, I don't know, something like six or seven colors, um, but I haven't actually painted with them yet. So I'll, I'll get back to you with a review of those once I have an opportunity to use them. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have inspired me to try those metal color paints because... Yeah, I think anybody knows who's been painting long enough. Metal, if you're painting true metallic metal, it can really be difficult to work with to find a paint that's the right consistency, that's got the right coverage. And then uh, just the the process of shading and highlighting can be difficult sometimes uh, to pull it off well. So if so there's a different line that works better, I, yeah. I'm all ears. Well, what, what I've been doing lately for shading is using oil washes. And this is kind of my go-to method now is I use a, a very bright color metal, whether it's an, you know, this paint liner or a different, whatever. Um, and then I put an oil wash over it and then you can kind of remove the oil wash from the ray surfaces after you put it on, like it stays active for a while. Um, yeah. And that, that's like the zero shade true metallic metal technique. If you're trying to paint quickly, and so I think you get a pretty good um, uh, separation of the shadows to the to the highlights with really very little effort. That's that's the sweet spot that I'm looking for. Nice. Eric, Corey, you have any hobby updates for us? Yeah, well, I'm already buying this paint, so thanks, John. <laughs> so I'm like on eBay right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it's a little expensive. It's like ten bucks a bottle. Yeah, you know. but I mean, if it's good, I mean, it's still if it, yeah. more than that. The amount of paint you have to use to, to actually get decent coverage with any current metal color. It, so, yeah, exactly. It's it's worth it. It's worth a couple extra dollars for the good. So hobby update for me. So I haven't done anything prior to Crossroads because just, as you guys know, any kind of lead up to a tournament is just constant work and worrying about stuff that you don't need to worry about. So since Crossroads, I actually have been doing some hobby stuff. Um the, guy, the loaded dice guys down near Scranton, Pennsylvania are doing a little one-day uh, Halloween event this coming Sunday. So I actually wrote up, a, had a ringer army set up for Crossroads, which was a Forces of Nature list that actually looks really fun to play. So I am just painting up a horde of fire elementals to take down with the rest of my nature army to go to I thought you were going to say to take down the event with. <laughs> He's going to burn that house down. <laughs> fire element. Like <laughs> so I, uh, I printed off some uh, like fire ele lava elementals from Archvillain and, and I've been painting them up. I was inspired actually by like, scorch wings. So I like the, uh, the gray stone colored skin with some flames and lava coming out of it. I like, the, I like the look of that. So, Add some some different colors to the forces of nature army that I've got, so I think that'll be cool. So they're coming along, so that's been a, a fun little project to work on since Crossroad and a, a change up from the uh, the samurai army that I've been working on for the past two years. Nice. So we we uh, J Greg and I, I assume we'll both go. Just um, Jim is getting ready to announce Harvest of Souls, which I assume that announcement will come out before this podcast does, so it's safe to talk about. Um, yes. But we're going to do Harvest of Souls as a one-day event this year. 
uh, to kind of free up some time in the GT schedule and make things a little more casual, a little you know, open to new gamers and stuff. And so this is going to be a one-day, four-game, I think, 995-point tournament, which, again, That's ex- right. accessible to a new player who maybe doesn't have a lot of models yet or um, isn't comfortable playing a, a, a big game. Uh, so it'll be 900, 995 points with the new ambush rules. Awesome. Um, and, yeah, I think four games at 30, 30 minutes each on the clock, so pretty quick. Uh, it should be really fun, a kind of a, a casual day. Just games, try out some new armies, new style with the, the ambush rules. Um, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward I'm to that. looking forward to get some games into the ambush rules. I think they look really solid. I will. I want this to be committed to uh, the public record here. So we, we have some special awards that we do at Harvester of Souls that are different. And one of them... Well, two of them are called the tortoise and the hare. So we track at the end of each round how much time you have remaining on your clock. And so the tortoise would be the player who used the most time and the hare, the player who used the least. And my goal is to win the hare this year. So oh. my games are going to be quick. Oh, so you're going <laughs> to take an army goal. list. I'm going to be flying far. through these games. Okay. okay. That's the plan. That's the plan. Well, you can almost uh, guarantee yourself an award if you just throw your models forward every game. Well, I'm thinking you like, go. you know, I could do probably an all or almost all scouting forces of nature army. That would uh, get you there. <laughs> Run it up, you know. Well, we did a, a doubles tournament. And this was years ago, but I kept playing second edition Kings Award. I remember pairing up with uh, Kevin Spear and we ran, we both ran all cavalry lists and it was just across the board in your face on recharging everything um and it was really it was really fun yeah. to play yeah that's fun all right very nice so let's get into uh crossroads a little bit shall we john you yep. were um you were my team captain for this event although you didn't really act like it for a while i didn't realize i was the team captain to be honest i thought uh somebody else was doing that and um all of a sudden, it was like, John, did you submit the list? John, did you do this? It was like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, actually. In, in all fairness, there was a lot of that going on. Like, a lot of teams were like, I don't know who the captain is. <laughs> Super. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I was the captain, even though I didn't realize it. And that uh, was interesting. Um, we got a team together that was uh, myself, uh, with Greg, uh, Keith Conroy, and our buddy Jim, who runs the Harvest of Souls. So we were uh, on Team Unplugged Gamers. Um, we took, what did we have for, we had, we went with, uh, there was a theme to our team. Um, everybody took a tree man, a tree herder, except for me. Um, we were supposed <laughs> to all take tree herders, and I said I would paint one uh, to take, and then I didn't. Um, yeah, and so right. it was like list submission time. Right. Like, guys, I still don't have a tree herder painted. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we took uh, Sylvankin, Twilightkin, Forces of Nature, and the Herd. We all could have taken. Well, I, I would have. I wouldn't have used Twilightkin. I would have used Elves instead. You would have used regular Elves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which would would definitely not have worked out as well, because uh, because they suck. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, but wow. Keith ordered Keith ordered us team shirts. And everybody else's shirts have the Lorax on them. Yeah, so I, and it said, I, 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 speak, I speak for the for trees. The trees. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then um, my shirt uh, had another Dr. Seuss character that said, I shall not on it. Yeah, it was the, the green eggs and ham. The guy who refuses to eat the green eggs and ham. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't get along with the rest of my team in that sense. Um, but we were having a lot of fun to the, in the lead up to it, just kind of getting ready. My We got my wife to paint us um, pairings cards. That was kind of fun because I, I gave her, you know, she's not a Kings of War player or even a really fantasy person. So I gave her a very cursory description of what our armies were. And I was like, take take artistic liberty. You do whatever you want. And what she came up with was spectacular. <laughs> so Keith's herd army was a picture of a bunny in a forest. <laughs> and uh, Jim's uh, Sylvankin was a bird sitting in a tree. Um my uh, Twilight kin were like a, it was like a, a dark hand with uh, butterflies flying out of it, outstretched. And Greg's was a patch of mushrooms, the uh, forces of nature. Yeah, they're awesome. You should, have you posted pictures of those cards? Oh, I don't, I don't think I did. I, I should do that. You should. The, yeah, not only were Kat's interpretations great, but her artistic talent was on full force. And to see that come together last minute it's impressive what she was able to paint so yeah were we awesome. were leaving for the tournament on friday and i think i asked her to do this on wednesday morning by the way <laughs> we were like oh we need pairings <laughs> cards uh-oh <laughs> so she was a she was great that was that was awesome um so we showed up with uh you know team shirts and custom pairing cards we were pretty ready to go and we were looking forward to having a fun time especially because we grudged jake's team for round one and we were like Jake's not on the podcast anymore. What a loser. But at least we can grudge him. Somebody will get to play against him. And he had a good team, too, with um, the Mid-Atlantic Irregulars were a bunch of fun people. So we we're like, this is perfect. We grudged them. They were like, yes, we're in. Great. And then the day before the tournament, Jake gets sick. And he's like, I'm not coming. It's like, Jake, son of a bitch. So this is where uh, <laughs> I said they pulled a, a Mid-Atlantic bait and switch. because. Oh. We instead, you know, that would have been a high caliber of, um, you know, uh, gaming skill from that team, right? Like that would have been a tough matchup. Those those gentlemen are no pushovers. Um, but instead, we played the Aristocats, who had like the best team from the Mid Atlantic. Um, so. You know, we thought this will be pretty close, but kind of a friendly round one. And then it was like, wow, we're fighting one of the top teams round one. Here we go. Here we go. Ready to get our teeth pushed in. And that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that was kind of the lead up. Yeah, we were, we were excited uh, in the grudge, uh, but whatever. We still got to um, play a bunch of awesome games. We had a great time. So I don't know, Greg, you want to jump into a couple of highlights from some of these games? Yeah, I mean, I had, I had a great weekend overall. And part of this was I went on, just by chance, I guess, I went on this, this mission of taking down everybody with this, the same name. So I played Ray Shields in the first round against his Trident Realm army. Really good army. Uh, close game, but I lost it in the end. And there was one other Ray in the event, and that was Ray Weant. So in the second round, we actually played the Mid-Atlantic Irregulars after they had escaped our grudge because uh, they also lost round one. 
Corey, <laughs> if you want to explain the the way you handled this, because we did have a couple last minute drops because we are still in, you know, a situation where people are being super cautious and COVID can still spread and all of that. Um, so with a four player team, having one or two members of your team drop could have caused disaster, but I think you handled it really well. So do you want to explain that? And then I'll talk about my game with Ray. We ain't in round two. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks, Greg. So we had four ringers lined up for the event. So we were covered if we had like one or two drops or if we had an entire team that couldn't make it, we could uh, cobble together a fill-in team, which is kind of what you have to do. Right. If you're going to you have a four-player tournament, right? You can't have an odd number of teams. And you can't have an odd number of players sitting out. So, uh, unfortunately, like you said, people get COVID. I mean, we, this is the world we live in right now. So, we're going to expect, like, health-related drops at the last minute. There's just no way around it. Um, so, we actually ended up with just the weirdest number of people dropping that we could. It was, like, six people. So, we don't have enough people to do this. It's a weird number. So, we can't really manage it. So, how we decided to do it was we would have two teams that we had some ringers fill in and then we had two teams with three players. And so what they did is, so for the first round, we paired them up against each other. So they would have to play and it would be an even, uh, even match. Uh, then going forward, they were obviously going to have to be mixed in with the population of four, four player teams. So we said, all right, they're, they're going to take, and we tried to find what would be the fairest way to do this points-wise, a, uh, a five-point loss on the blackjack scale for that missing player. Um, they would have the disadvantage on the pairings and stuff because the team with four players would get to choose who's going to play who and have an extra man up in the pairing process. Uh, but we didn't want to give a free win nor have anyone sit out and not play a game as a result of that. So what we did was had the two teams that were facing the three player teams, their odd man out would actually play the odd man out from the other team. That was a player up. So we'd have to kind of figure out where they were in the room and kind of get them to meet up and play on a separate table. So, which was a real creative solution. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Trust me. I spent, stayed up for like a week and a half leading up to the figured out how we're going to handle all these different potential drop scenarios. <laughs> and it meant like Corey said there. So, for the three-man teams, it meant that every round they took a five-point loss. But it didn't mean that their opponent got a 16-point win right. because that right. fourth player who wasn't matched up against someone from their team played another person from you know another team facing the other three-man team. And whatever the result was of that game, that's what counted for both teams. Right, so you still had so, you were, it, the, were the player. It up. worked out. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, you're just playing for fun to have something to do. It was like, no, this game still counts towards yep, your results. Counts. Yeah. So I think that did work out well, actually. I think in the end, I was pretty happy with how it played out. So we'll kind of have a have a path going forward to handle this situation in the future for uh, crossroads in the in the future. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty well pretty well done. So it worked out well. So in round two, I got to play against Ray Weant, the the second Ray in the event. And uh, I got to finally play against his zombie army, which oh, I've been yeah. admiring from the sidelines for several years at events. And That's it's awesome. it's just awesome. And we played uh, we played push and I was lucky to get the first turn. And then I basically was like, well, I'm just going to try and hold on 
as long as I can to my uh, tokens and the zombie legions and gore blights and revenant kings on undead burrowing worms just slowly ground my whole army into dust till the point it was turn six and I had a handful of models like I think I had three units that were standing back to back to back on like my upper left corner of the board and I was just completely surrounded and if we went to turn seven yeah it was you know the deed was going to be done and the zombies would take the victory but the roll went in my favor and I, I was clutching on to victory on turn six. <laughs> so it was an awesome and very cinematic game. And it was, uh, it was great to finally, uh, you know, I've played Ray before, but never against that iteration of his list. And it was just cool because it's such a different style to most of what you play. And so it presents a different challenge. Yeah. It's very unique. I, I played a, uh, one of my memorable games was uh, round one, actually, against, um, so we played against the Aristocrats, which uh, was a much tougher match than I thought we were going to get into, but I was still excited about it, because they've got a, a, a great team with good people on it. Um, so I was very excited to pair up against Mike Austin. I haven't played Mike in years, um, definitely not in third edition, so I was, I was pumped to get, uh, to get to do that again. Um, and last time we played, I beat Mike on a stupid i mean it was dumb. like i i don't know i went into a unit and did gargoyles and did one damage and boxcar wavered them and that just like screwed, screwed up the whole game basically for him uh so i feel like uh it wasn't exactly a, a fair representation of how that game was going um so mike got uh you know got another shot at it and and he came at it and he's like and this actually became a theme through the weekend every time we played against a team They'd be like, oh, John, nobody wants to play against you. And I was like, I wonder if every team had one of those people, if it was just me or about, <laughs> was that a, was that a thing, Corey? Corey has no words for you. Okay. <laughs> I just, it's just totally terrible. I, well, I forget. I still keep forgetting to hit the button. <laughs> go ahead, ask me what you were asking me. <laughs> so, like every every round, we would do pairings. Right, I put the cards down, and every round, the, the other team was like, "Dude, nobody wants to play against John." And I, I hope it just I hope it was my list and not not me. It's because you're playing Twilight Kin, find, and you Twilight you didn't take a tree herder. You didn't follow the plan. People just have a. a, a mentality against twilight kid and i just don't yeah think that that horrible of a list to be honest <laughs> I, well so I, I mean i didn't think it was that bad either but all right so anyway nobody wanted to play against it but i so i got paired up against mike and we really had a great game he had a varinger army that was you know all the frost fangs and stuff and it's like just push it forward gonna kill things and i'm like well i i have to shoot off um deal with this stuff i know it's gonna be in my face and i think he got first turn you know pushed up on me um, and I shot off all of his chaff units, which is exactly what he wants me to do in that case. But what I, one thing I've learned with the list is that with the Twilight Kin uh, and the Glade Stalkers and stuff is you have to kill the the, the chaff units or the units, the like the cheap unit strength units, because they'll actually be what loses you the game in the end. Um, because you have to commit your expensive Glade Stalker units and stuff to, to the game. That's where your unit strength is as well, and the uh, the enemy units that have just like that 
he had Draugr, right? Like Chief Draugr to just like hold table right. players and stuff. Right. If you don't kill them, you will lose even if you table the opponent the rest of the way. So um, I shot those off and I was okay. I was okay with that. And he was okay with that. <laughs> so, so then we proceeded to get to the fighting part. And it was just a slog back and forth where I'm charging with Glade Stalkers. He's obviously crushing units as he goes into them and stuff. Um, and it was really back and forth in the end. He managed to sneak one unit of Fallen. We were playing Invade. He managed to sneak one unit of Fallen um, that I couldn't quite get to, and he just booked it towards the corner of the table. And at the end of the game, that was the only unit left alive with unit strength. And I couldn't get to it to kill it. <laughs> and so he won that game. But it was it was awesome. Uh, Mike was a great opponent. It was a lot of fun. And just totally bloody. Um, and, and Corey, I don't know if you were keeping track of attrition points, but all of my games were like that. I must have scored 12,000 points in attrition. Or Yes, I, like... didn't, I didn't keep at the individual level, but at the team level I did. Yeah, you guys were racking it up in attrition points. Yeah, so, so I think Keith and I were probably just killing everything we came up against. And Greg's and Jim's armies were playing a little bit more um, KG. Yeah. <laughs> My army was uh, a couple games I, I really killed a lot, but but not every game. My army is much more of like, what's the scenario? All right, we're going to do that and rely on defense six and heal to make sure we hold on. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, because even the games I lost, I think I killed over 2,000 points of attrition. Yeah. So it, and, it was, uh, the, and it was just. And here you are wondering why no one wanted to face Twilight Kin. <laughs> that. that... That could be why. Self-fulfilling prophecy right there. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. So we were at, uh, you know, for our, the team level, a loss and a win after the, the first two rounds, which was right. a pretty good place to be in. Then round three, we got paired up against Barry's Bathwater Experience, which was sort of a, a glorious legendary mystery. Like I'd never met any of these people. I don't even know to this day if one of them was named Barry, a guy claimed to be Barry, but he might have been bullshitting me. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the bathwater experience was. I was a little confused. I had suggested maybe we go to the hotel rooms and change into uh, bathing suits and towels, but, um, needless to say, it was an excellent round with another group of, of great players. I think they were from uh, the South Jersey, Jersey. area, if yeah. I yeah, uh, if remember we correctly. The, we had a few new teams at the event, right? So yep. I think we had 20 players that, like, this is their first GT or they're pretty new to the GT scene here in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. So and we actually introduced a new award to kind of represent that just the best performing new team because I think we had five teams that were made up of either mostly or all or all new players. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is great. Awesome. Has, it's been so nice to see like coming back to GTs over the past year and seeing a bunch of new faces that, you know, more people have gotten into this hobby um, since before the pandemic. And that's, that's really great because we we value and love our community and you know we want to see it growing so we had an excellent round three and we ended up uh taking another win so we were at two and one after the first day which was pretty good and then you know all hell broke loose with the uh saturday night hangouts oh yeah and Corey, i don't know 
I've been waiting to hear this full story. Are, are you in a position where you're comfortable sharing <laughs> oh, yeah. the Saturday night story with, uh, with the unplugged this radio crowd? This didn't even make it to Saturday night. I think this was in the middle of round three. <laughs> this happened right oh wow this this was the pregame yeah. <laughs> pregame for saturday night so so we had so we had an award and and so this story pertains to the award we said it was a snake bitten award uh it was going to be the best bad luck story of the weekend um and i assumed this should go to it would be some kind of gaming related bad luck story but oh we had we had an incident happen around <laughs> at the end of round three um my incident, son and I, he says yeah an, in, an incident <laughs> incident so we're, my son and i my son was helping me with running the event this year um so for anybody that doesn't know my son's about 25 years old he's a pretty big kid he's bigger than me <laughs> and so we're standing kind of face to face at the end of one of the table uh rows just chatting and i talk when i talk i'm pretty animated move my hands around he does that even more so. Uh, so we're sitting there chatting and out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody kind of go to quickly duck between us and go around the table row. And his name, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave him unnamed for now. <laughs> this discussion, but he ducks in and tries to sneak past my son and my. Uh, oh, Corey, we lost you. You cut out. Yeah. We Sorry, I'm talking. I'm literally talking with my hands right now and forgot to push the button. <laughs> <laughs> so my son does uh, like an arm waving explosion, explaining his hands out, and smashes this guy right in the face as he tries to duck under him. <laughs> Catches him square in the face, and he goes down, and almost like a boxer goes down when they get tagged on the chin. And I thought he might have been dramatizing for effect but no he was knocked out cold onto the floor <laughs> and, and he's just like kind of laying there on the floor and i'm like oh my god i reached out and like tapping him on the side of the face i'm like joe joe are you okay and he kind of turns over and blinks himself awake i was like oh my god oh my god <laughs> The, the standing 10 count there it's like oh my god what just happened here now we're only laughing because he was not seriously injured that is uh, correct he but went, that uh... yeah that was that a, a record is the first time someone's been knocked out at a crossroads gt not not by being drunk but yes knocked out yes <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a different story i've had blackout drunk people at crossroads but never anyway they got physically cold cocked and taken down <laughs> My son just looked looked at me. He's like, "What did I just do?" That's crazy, man. I didn't. I didn't actually know the story. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to share that. Oh my god, it was like, oh, we're ready for some serious shit tonight. <laughs> so there you have it, Greg. There is the story and the winner of the the snake bitten award at Crossroads. There it was. Excellent. So before we uh, dive into day two, we're going to insert another recording with our very own Mike Rossi and one of the excellent teams in attendance at Crossroads. I uh, hope you enjoy it. We'll catch you in a bit. All right, it is Friday night at Crossroads. It is later than my last two missives. Um, I am here with Mike Adkins and Sean McCormley. 
Um, and we are drinking Whistle Pig 10, and it's delicious. Are you, are you doing that? I am doing that. Thank you. Uh, so, um, what team are you pl- you guys playing on this 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 time around? We are the we are the Battle Hammer Cats. Battle Hammer Cats. Battle Hammer Correct. Cats. Seems like. The other guys from other teams have yes. formed, tried to form Voltron, but they only have a left leg, yes. a right arm, and maybe a us. torso. Yes. That is us. We are a clown right? car of a team. Yes, we are. Yes, I am the left nut of the team. <laughs> That's all that I've been determined to be so far. That's. I don't even know where that fits in with everything else. I'm sorry. For Voltron, or a I mean, robot. Yes. Like, when, <laughs> You need as that. useless as a left nut on a robot is a saying. Everyone knows I say that all the time at work. Well, I've been say, written up twice for that. So isn't that me on the team though? I mean, I, I mean I'm like that's that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. We're, we're talking like we're talking all kinds of shit before I got on, <laughs> right? The OG Sylvankin, whatever. This Matt Griffin guy, who's that's he? Right. Uh, who, nobody knows who he is except <laughs> the tournament winner with Sylvankin. But I was there first. So it's yes, fine. being there first and watching him zoom on by. Right. right? <laughs> so uh, question for you guys. Right. What? Okay. So. Team tournaments. We haven't done a team tournament in a couple years, right? Last time we did Crossroads, there weren't quite enough people to do teams, so we did singles. Team, how much prep did you guys do? Um, team Nerd Hamel Battle Cat actions. So, like, did you do a lot of prep to get ready? Was there any kind of like discussion on matchups? Like, how does when you have an amalgam team like that, how does that work? Well, my opinion doesn't matter much because if I send my list to Mike Austin, he'll go, that fucking sucks, but, sorry for the language, however, <laughs> it's, it's a great it's a great training methodology. True on all counts. Yeah, it's a, it's a great training methodology. So, really, the training is, what am I supposed to do? Cool, I'll, I'll do that. Noted. Yeah. Um, just a little, like, Sean, Sean was a pro and actually printed stuff out, and I've chatted with Bart a little bit when we got here about right. how to do it, but, like, all of us have been to the team tournament before. We've all done it before. We kind of all know how it works a little bit. Sure. Um, and also, like, at least for me, and I think maybe me and Sean, like, we're kind of relieved to be on, like, the low-pressure B squad of our club. Sure. So, like, I feel like the general vibe we have on our on, on our club is, however this turns out is great. We're doing great. We're just here to have fun. We are not on, like, the, the top-tier cutthroat competitive squads this year. So I think we we prepared, like, the exact right amount for that, which was we rolled it on Friday evening, said hi, chatted for five minutes, and then started drinking. That's right. That's right. <laughs> also, the first team we play is the Canadians. the Canadians. So really, that's, like, the greatest thing because you stomp their face in, they say thank you. They stomp your face in, you say thank you because they're so nice. It's so wow. They're so nice about Yeah, it's great. It. So you guys are playing the A, the a team? We are. Yes, we are. Oh. Yeah. And, and we have played the A team. In every team crossroad tournament that we've been to so far. Correct. Wow. It's a standard. Yeah. Best to get it out of the way in the beginning. Yeah. The, right. the only Fair person right. I haven't played on that team is Alex. Right. I actually played everybody else I played on that Mike, team. Wow. I played Mike both times. I always mm-hmm. play Mike McCready. Um, yeah. So if if tomorrow goes any differently, we will be upset that we don't get to play each other. Gotcha. Because it's just not a, it's, it's one of those things. It's just not a crossroad. Still me and Mike fucking play each other. Sure. Apparently. Battle of the mics. <laughs> I like it. Right. Yeah. Um. I. Okay. So the new Clash of Kings is coming out. Yeah. Right. And you know we we've seen a couple of things about what's going to be in there. I like the ambush rules. I like the idea of some yep. of the other stuff. If there was one thing that you would want to see changed in the game to either make it more balanced or more interesting, what would it be? Mike is making faces. Sean is making faces and staring at the ceiling. Uh, Sylvan can need one thing that allows them to get either Crush 2 or Crush 1 Thunderous 1 because they're the only army in the game who does not have access to it. But don't you have Tree Men? Uh, 
for, as a as a unit. Oh, as a unit. Yeah, as a unit. So no monsters or, or anything else aside. If you look at every other army, they have access to at least two. We Did only they? Ha- yes. I actually did the. Ma- Did you not read on dash twenty eight org uh, the article that was written by moi about the Sylvankin, which that was actually my chief complaint. Of course, I think I wrote like fifteen pages of material, so I pretty much sure that instead. I of, didn't. I didn't wait through all that. I'll yeah, exactly. So this a lot. A lot of there. words. You know, internet isn't made for words. It's made for sound bites. It's fair. Speaking of a sound bite, you re- so you're saying that in order to make things more even. That Sylvan can need a unit that is crushed too. Right, but then you just make uh, you can make the um, archers irregular. That's not a problem. Oh. I actually don't think that that's a big issue. I think that that uh, anybody who's actually been playing would say that since they're going to rewrite uh, Twilight Kin anyway. I think that that's going to be something that okay. be interesting. It's legit. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Whistle pig. Whistle pig ten. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, what what one thing would I like to see changed about the game? Yeah. Or in you know, the new whatever book? for either make it more interesting or more balanced. Um, I have been thinking about lots of other aspects of this community and experience lately that I have spent no time thinking about the actual game or mechanics of it. Okay. So for me, like when they start talking about we're going to come out with slightly different rules for different sizes of games, like I actually find that really exciting. I'm I'm actually really interested in seeing the, the ambush version because I don't think it's any secret that Vanguard did not work as a as a bootstrapper for getting more people into Kings of War. Right. And, you know, when you look at the questions that people ask on Fanatics, one of the most common questions you see is, what's a good demo size? Right. What's a good demo list? I'm trying to show people this game. How exactly do I do it? And no one ever has a great answer for it. So the fact that Mantic will have, like, a published answer of, here's how you do a small, quick intro game for people, I think is probably going to be the highest leverage thing that is going to come out of this book. Sure, I see that. I totally agree, right? The other way that I've thought about doing, like, intro games that, to get people in, but it doesn't it doesn't scale, pardon the pun, is doing, like, 10 mil. Right, right? so you do your 10 mil, you play it on a 2 by 2 Right. But then the things that I build for that, I don't... I, it doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't translate to the base game, right? right? But, you know, that lets you play... Anyway, neither here nor there. Yeah. Right? So, I'm going to shift gears. Uh, Mike, you are one of the um, drivers behind Dash 28. Right, which is the yep. premier fan. Um, you're smiling, but it is like it is, fan sure. fan website for yeah. uh, Kings of War. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you looking over the past year? You've seen a little bit of growth on our end, yeah, right? Sure. I mean, I, I say, R, I'm a writer there too. Every yeah. once in a while, I crack out the pen. Mm-hmm. What has you been your observation over the past year in terms of the site and where we've come and and what you want to see? Oh wow. Um, I really like the writing team that we have right now. Um, I like that we've brought in, um, I hate to use the term diversity because I think it gets overused, but, but we brought in some folks with some different perspectives uh, that I think churn out some really good quality stuff. Um, and I'd like to see us continue doing that. There are some other folks out there who are covering Kings of War now that, that weren't like three or four years ago when we got started. Um, so I would like to see us focus on like on like the quality, high leverage, content stuff because you know lots of people can, can put out okay there's a new book coming out and here's what we think is, is going to be in it like anyone can write that, that that's not a big deal um, but I think the things that we contribute are more like big picture uh, health of the community kind of stuff um, I'm really interested in seeing what Mantic includes in their app uh, because one of the big things that, that we have on the site that gets a lot of constant traffic is the uh, like the map pack randomizer and the uh, scenario randomizer. So like, once Mantic gets into making tools 
for the community to use, it'll be interesting to see what what things they choose to include in that and what things they don't uh, to see if there's any opportunities in there for us to like fill in a gap uh, or build something complementary that goes along with it. But we'll have to see kind of what that looks like and what it shakes out as. Sure. I yeah. I mean, I'm I'm intrigued. If you were to take, you know, Easy Army and then attach that to the map pack and attach that to the ability to, you know, um, generate a a scenario, scoring, all the other stuff, yeah. all within the same app. I think that that's valuable. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how it actually works. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a big deal. You know, I, I have a pretty good idea of what the starter set of functionality is going to look like because I'm pretty sure I know who they're getting to write it. And he kind of has prototypes out there already that, that you can look at if you know who it is. Um, so I hope... I've, I've talked to them a little bit. And it sounds like they're they're going to do some more work on it from like the prototype versions, the kind of first cuts that are out there. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing what it turns out to be because we've also got Tim Lonis who's been working on Tabletop Score, uh, which I've been really happy with the progress that he's been making and the functionality that he's been building there. Um, uh, but you know, when when the company itself steps in and decides to offer a, a competing product, they've they've obviously like got a lot of advantages in terms of timing and integration that they can do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see like whether the one that Mantic puts out is fully featured, since American tournaments are very different from UK tournaments. So it's hard to say whether they understand that we want uh, sports scores and paint scores right. and, and an overall score and like uh, players' choice voting and like all these things that that. You might not see it every British tournament. They they might not realize that it's a big deal. Right. Um, yeah. So so it's going to be stuff like in, in in that area of like is 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 what they put out really serving their global customer base or is it a little too UK focused because that's kind of who built it um, and and how those things can can shake out. Um, I also think it's a really good idea for them to be doing it because uh, like if you're a, a company that that makes a miniatures game. And you provide the list builder that everyone uses. Like that's a wealth of information that, that you have on like what units are the most popular, what armies are the most popular, what are what are people thinking about using, what do people never think about using, right? Like right. just the like the fact that they have easy army. And from what I understand, like the rules committee has never actually asked like what units have never been saved to a list, right? right? Like. We're thinking about making things more even and competitive, and all we've looked at are tournament lists. Can you tell us, like, what magic items no one has ever picked that we should just get rid of? Like, right. shit like that. Um, so I think, like, as as the tools get more closely integrated into Mantic, they might have more visibility, or they might take that stuff more seriously. Um, we might start seeing a game that reflects more of, like, the entire player community instead of just the competitive community. Sure, um, absolutely. Which I think would be pretty cool. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, like, it's, like, right now I'm just kind of, I want to wait and see how that shakes out and see, like, where we can fit in or where we can support or if it's just, let me explain to you why what they've done here is cool or let me try to work with them to figure out what they're missing to tell them why it's important. Um, so that's sort of, like, what I'm thinking about for the next year. Okay. That's that's huge, actually, to be honest. To be part of that development process is giant, right? Yeah. You know? You can get in on it, yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of our Dash 28, the readership, right? Um, round numbers. We went from how many thousand a month to how many thousand a month, uh, right? It, so it depends on how many articles we churn out. We tend to see between three and 5,000 unique visitors a month. Um, we draw maybe between you know 10,000 and 20,000 raw views, depending. Uh, U.S., obviously, the biggest the biggest audience and then it's down to like UK, Australia, Canada, European countries, like everywhere you, you would expect. Um, but yeah, like it's mostly an English speaking audience. Uh, we get a lot of search 
um, traffic of, of kind of interesting back catalog stuff. Like I think for the last several months, we've, we've got an article on uh, dealing with hobby burnout uh, that keeps drawing yeah. viewers it's a thing. Uh, from search. Right, uh, because that's something that's not specific to Kings of War. It's something that like anyone that, that is, is in this hobby, regardless of what, play, what game they play, um, experiences. And like right. any like people obviously want, want advice on that. So yeah, anytime that, that, that we can write anything about hobby in general or like we, we kicked around the idea of writing an article about like comparing the different uh, brands of contrast paints or speed paints to have you know somebody give a give comparison opinions like that's great uh, content that's not necessarily evergreen but like it goes beyond kings of war uh, which I you know I I love the, the idea that like somebody will come to our site to read about contrast paints and see our little like beginner's guide link on the side of like hey what's kings of war and click on it and read it and maybe maybe give it a thought or maybe you know right. post around and see if they right. can find somebody to play yeah Cool. Um, if people were interested in writing uh-huh. for Dash Twenty Eight, how would they? How would they? How would they get it, get started? Yeah. So we're we're always looking for new people who are interested in writing. Uh, you can send email to editor at dash twenty eight org, or post on our Facebook page, or just or just message like myself or Brenton uh, Williams. Uh, on Facebook, any of those avenues is perfectly perfectly acceptable to just say, "Hey, I'm thinking about it." We'll probably ask you to like write a sample article, uh, give us give us a look at what you're thinking about writing about, or, or talk to us a little bit about your interests. Um, and that's that's kind of all it is to it. Like we're we're we're, we're willing to take anybody who who has something to say and is and has has a good way of a good clever interesting way of saying it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Is there any, any other as we as we close our time together? Are there any other closing thoughts you'd like to to give to? Someone drank my whiskey and I don't know who did it, but I'm I'm gonna go try to find out. <laughs> um, the community is the most important thing. That will always be the thing that I say because this is the third crossroads I've been to. Every single time I come here, I make new friends. I hug 15 people as soon as I walk in the door, and I think that's the most important thing about the community, and that's what has to be communicated because everybody who shows here gets. Well, I'm going to watch Mike's face when I say this. A little bit better at painting. Sometimes we get better. We tried it. We tried it. We try to improve. But, uh, I mean, the general saying I say when I'm trying to get people into the hobby is uh, you go to a Kings of War tournament, and if there is an asshole in the room, you can't find it. <laughs> or it's probably Are we you. not doing phrasing anymore? Oh, yeah, like, like, what are we doing? No, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, it's 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 really hard. It's a good community of people, and, I mean, we kind of police ourselves, and that's great. Gotcha. All right. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You uh, Good luck tomorrow. All right. So, day two, Sunday morning. Everybody was feeling some level on this scale of uh, refreshed to hungover to... Uh, perhaps, um, you know, deprived of sleep and uh, a little delirious. No, so, not, not everybody made it to <laughs> round four. I did have one player that started from, from Barry's Bathwater experience, albeit, started their round one game and at the end of turn one just said, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I <laughs> just walked away. <laughs> You over. Uh, oh yeah. So round four, he he played the first turn of his game, and yep. then was like, "Yeah, I just can't. I can't be here." So we actually, yep. I pulled I pulled a ringer, Bill Knickerbocker, who has never played a game of Kings Award in his life, 
he went over and filled in for him graciously just to kind of finish out the game. He, he was playing against Chet Dudek from the Loaded Dice guys. Nice. Nice. So, you see, it all worked out. Like, these are things that a, a lesser TO would have folded under such pressure. <laughs> you, you held it together. You had ample people waiting in the wings for all sorts of scenarios uh, <laughs> that no one could have predicted. There are things that happen that you just can't plan for. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, um, we had an interesting... Uh, round four because we were playing. I don't. Was the team called the Battle Pilgrims? Was that their actual team name? It was yes, Marcelo's was team. The, yep. They and were the um, round two, when we were facing the three man Mid Atlantic Irregulars, John had to play someone from the Battle Pilgrims. And so there was. Unless we were all going to be, you know, in agreement that we weren't going to let this happen, there was a chance that John could have actually played the same person twice, twice in the in same one team. event. <laughs> so uh, we we talked it out, and we we're like, yeah, we're going to just engineer it so that that doesn't happen. He was he was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll play you again, whatever. But oh, come on, <laughs> we we I, I don't want to put you through that again. Ouch. Everybody knows you didn't want to play against my list, right? <laughs> He was a good sport about it, but yeah, we decided um, if we can control it, we'll we'll just not do that. Yeah. So, John, you wanted to talk a little bit about your game with Marcelo? Right. So, what happened when we did the pairings is that uh, Kevin Kevin and Marcelo were the last two people dropped, and so were me and whoever was with me. Keith, maybe. And so we were like, it could happen, Kevin. We could, we could play. It was my choice to do the pairings. I said, no, well, I'll, I'll play against Marcelo and said, you got, you could have a different game. And he's, he was new to the game too. So like, it, it's, that's exactly when you want to be playing different people and getting different experiences. Um, Absolutely. So I, so I said, I would play against Marcelo, which is great. We played uh, Crossroads, I think the last time it was a team tournament, actually, maybe. Um, anyway. Uh, so Marcelo had a salamander army, which was filled with um, ancients and what are the Croxiger tyrants? Ancients yeah. and tyrants. tyrants. So like they're all inspired. The ancients are up there, defense six inspiring, and the tyrants. He's just I don't know, it was like four hordes and four regiments or something crazy of tyrants and a couple other support elements. And I was like, oh, that's really that's really hitty. And Keith was like, no, John, you want to play against that? It's just a whole bunch of defense four. You're just going to shoot it all off. Uh, I was like, ah, I don't know. There's a lot of it, um, but but okay. So, I, and Marcelo, I want to put this up there in advance. Marcelo really took this game very well because it was a disaster for him. No, nothing, nothing went well at all for him in this whole game. Um, and he took it like a champ. Uh, so he kind of he kind of charged stuff up. And I started shooting. I, I peeled off a regiment. I peeled off a, a whatever other unit. Um, and I think I had two turns of shooting. Alchemist Curse was going off. So I was, I was killing units, but I'm like, he's just got so much stuff, and it's all about to hit my lines here. So at turn three, I think, I popped the gargoyles up. I'm like, well, this is the turn. I have to block some charges and just delay. I have to kill a couple more things. Um, and he, he charges all of his stuff in, except he charges and fails to kill anything. Like... I mean, he charges you into Glade Stalkers with a Regiment of Tyrants. And that's, like, probably not a guarantee. It's probably not a kill, right? They've got nine attacks. 
But they have. They've got fifteen attacks. 15, they've right. got fifteen attacks, but they hit on fours, right? Correct. Yeah. So it's like you're probably not going to do enough damage to kill that unit, but you'll kill it the next turn. I'm like, okay, whatever. And he didn't kill the Glade Stalkers, but he also like what he charged the gargoyles with a horde of tyrants and didn't kill them, and he didn't even put them on double ones. Ouch. Which yeah, is, which is like thirty attacks. Mind-bogglingly <laughs> bad. Right. Yeah. It's really bad. So he leaves the gargoyles sitting there in the way, so they're still blocking stuff up for another turn. And then the the shooting keeps shooting, and the alchemist curse keeps that, and I get to countercharge with cavalry. And at, at one point, um, he had a horde of tyrants, which had um, uh, had uh, killed one of my cavalry units. And I was um, kind of hoping they had charged over a wall. I was like, maybe they'll maybe they'll survive, but they died. And then he turns the tyrants towards my line and kind of like facing down my flank a little bit. I'm like, well, that's a really bad place for a horde of tyrants to be facing down my flank. And I had a, a unit of cavalry um, that could charge it. But I'm like, the cavalry probably don't kill the tyrants in one go. And then the cavalry probably die to the, the counterattack from the tyrants. So it's like, all I'm doing is really delaying that unit for a turn. I'm not killing it. Well, I'll just leave it there. And I'm going to charge this other unit in the flank instead, which like frees up a unit of Glade Stalkers. And then I'm facing down the flank. And he looks at me and he's like, you're crazy. Why? What? You're just going to leave that unit of tyrants? Now it's facing the ass of your cavalry unit? What are you, what are you talking about? And you're just going to try to kill a regiment with them? And I said, oh, it's no problem, Marcel. I'm just going to shoot it off. <laughs> again john wonders why people don't want to face twilight <laughs> it's a full horn of tyrants no damage on it and two of my units of glade stalkers are are tied up now because they got charged so i shoot it with one unit of glade stalkers that's like move cover it's hitting on sixes or something but i pull the alchemist curse around on the side i pull out lafayette I do the you got mind screeches too, right? And I had mind screeches too, yeah. So it was yeah. probably like 12 lightning bolt, 10 fireball, and an alchemist curse. And and I took that shit off. Um, and he's he's looking at me like, what is happening right now? But it was one of those games where like everything I did just worked. And he couldn't get anything to go. All of his charges failed. He failed to kill stuff. He failed leadership checks where he needed a four. Like it was just, it was just one thing after the other. Um, and he he really did. He took it like a champ. He was very good spirited, considering how bad the luck was. He had abysmal dice, so it was a glorious game for me. Um, but I, I don't even want to say that I played it particularly well. It was just kind of how it went when you when you call it, and then you still you know take a year off of those. So uh, that left us after round four uh, at three wins and one loss. So going into round five, we were in pretty decent, uh, you know, overall position. We, we didn't have big wins, though. No, we certainly didn't. But like um, when we were winning the round, we weren't capping out on points. We we, we were getting uh, a, more than our opponents, I guess, but not <laughs> not by a ton. Yeah, so I guess just to touch on that scoring a little bit, um, each game was scored using blackjack and so four players you know the maximum would be conceivably 84 points but for rounds one through four there was a 60 point cap uh just to make sure like if there were any round one or two or even later than that like 
sort of like bloodbath games where a high powered team was facing uh, maybe a lower powered team or it was just bad luck, whatever that one team wouldn't get 84 or close to it and then run away with the whole event. Yeah. Because it takes the drama right out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because when two teams are pretty evenly matched facing each other, it's really hard to get like an overwhelming victory um, to have four of your players win. So we weren't even hitting the 60 point cap every time. Right. Um, which was, you know, I was just happy that the team was doing well. <laughs> yeah. So and, and, and I don't want to make it sound like we were doing, I mean, I think we, one round we did put up 59 points, which is almost a cap. And, and yeah. some other rounds we were only getting 40, 44, for instance, which is like just yeah. barely a win. So it was, it was a variety. Yeah. But uh, Corey, do you want to tell us who was on table one uh, facing each other in round five in the final round? Oh God, who was on table one in the oh, last? It, it, I can tell you, it was the two Nerdhammer teams. Oh, that, that's right. <laughs> yes, right, right. Because they had two. They had two teams: a drunken disordered team, and then the other Nerdhammer. Right. Yeah, they had like an A and B squad, and apparently they were both better than the rest of the competition because <laughs> they were facing each other on the top table, uh, which was awesome. As for us, uh, continuing, you know, we had hoped to start our event by taking on, you know, a podcast host, and then Jake um, mysteriously, you know, couldn't make it. Sounded like an excuse. Uh, but we ended the event facing a podcast host because that's right. We took on the shambling horde uh, captain by our very own Mike Rossi. We did indeed. And that was great. It was an awesome way to um, kind of end out the event with some people, you know, and you're comfortable with that, you know, you're going to have fun games with. Um, And Greg, didn't you get to play Mr. Mike Rossi himself? I did. And I was excited uh, the last time I had played Mike was at Unplugged. 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 Yeah, and I had Forces of Nature and he had Orcs <laughs> because that was when he was in the middle of the move. And so he borrowed uh, a spare Orc army from K2. And we had a really good game. Um, and it was defined by an early turn long bomb surge from my horde of Earth Elementals. Okay, that have the the plus one to hit that um, I continue to swear by. It's an excellent investment of points and my game, my games at GTs and at the Masters, I think stand testament to that. So all the naysayers, there you go. But you would think, given that history, that I wouldn't be able to do the same thing again. Oh, no. <laughs> You remember that I was playing our good friend, Mike Rossi. So he had his dwarf army and, you know, the typical thing he brings a bunch of different regiments, couple hordes. He's got all the defense six, all the dogs on everything. Lots of sharpshooters, you know, Gallic's Fury, Faber Ironheart. It's got a lot of shooting, right? And it's pretty resilient and it's a lot of unit strength. But we were playing Control, which is in a great scenario because he's got a spread out. Not my favorite either, but I can do it better than him. And 
there were a couple of terrain pieces that he was going to have to march through or rather not march through because he didn't have Pathfinder on anybody other than just Strider on Gallic's Fury, but that doesn't help you move with the double. He was just so I knew for the new flashback. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Um, so I knew there were a couple spots on the board where he would have trouble, um, you know, making forward progress. So I did my deployment and I, I did my best to just, you know, only give him shots on my defense six earth elemental horde or greater earth elemental so that I can, you know, get the benefit of the glade Walker druid healing and um, maybe get radiance of life with the tree herder in, et cetera, et cetera. I basically, I, I went hard on my right flank. There was terrain to screen all that stuff so it could come in without getting shot up. And then the center was where the earth elementals and the glade Walker druid were holding down the fort. And then on the left, I had some salamander regiment just standing behind a hill just to be unit strength three over there. And if he wanted to face me, you know, none, none of our stuff can see over the hill. So he'd have to actually come over it. And I had scorch wings in the back, just waiting, you know, trying not to get shot by sharpshooters waiting till the end of the game to go wherever they needed to put their unit strength. And they're and, so good at their unit strength too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really good. You know, a 20 inch nimble move with unit strength two on that last turn is yeah you can really as, as long as you can protect them you know they're in certain scenarios they're going to be money so that was the plan and as mike was coming up the center with a couple of these regiments and galax fury he moved up and he turned a little bit with one regiment to face all these threats that i had coming up pushing hard on my right flank and so then it goes over to my turn, and I don't know if this was turn two or three. We had been pretty cagey in the beginning. And I get my measuring tape out, and I'm like, hmm, looks like my Earth Elemental Horde is 13 inches away from your Iron Guard Regiment. And, you know, I'm already in the flank, but obviously moving up and pivoting, I can make sure I'm in the flank. And I'm speed five, so that would be an eight-inch surge. And... I had plenty of time on my clock. It probably took me five to 10 minutes, honestly, of like going through all of the thought process of what would happen if I made this decision. But as soon as I announced those numbers, Rossi was just in that Rossi spiral of like, oh my God, well, he's going to move up. I'm such an idiot. He's going to get the surge. He's going to kill my unit. He's going to spin. There's going to be nothing I can do about it. This, 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 this. And he's already thought four turns ahead and how the game ends. And he's like going through that and I'm like trying to think it out. And I mean, it, it is a relatively safe surge. I have surge 16 between eight on the Gladewalker Druid, eight on the Tree Herder, but the Gladewalker Druid is elite. So, you know, an average would be eight out of 16, but it's a little better than average because half of those dice are elite. And I was thinking of like all the spots where I could end up um, if I failed but the big thing was his units were all still like touching these woods. And so, and they don't have, you know, high crushing and he, he didn't have Bane chant. So it was, you know, even if I failed and great, this, you know, dwarf gets a flank charge on me. Like, what is that going to do? Nothing really. So I decided to go for it and I got it. And then, you know, it Rossi's prophecy because he's played this army a million times. He knows how it goes. Um, it kind of panned out. 
<laughs> so it was a great game. And it, I think the way deployment had gone down, it, I had a pretty solid advantage. And then that enabled me to, to really um, win more convincingly than perhaps I otherwise would have. But it goes to say, like, and this isn't a knock against Rossi, even though something like that had happened to him, nobody expects. They're all looking at the greater air elemental. They're thinking about, you know, things like that. And they're not thinking, oh, wow, this horde of earth elementals can actually project a pretty long range threat and it can kill some stuff. Um, And so every once in a while, you just see an opportunity and you go for it and it can change the tempo and the outcome of the game for sure. Sure, sure can. Yeah, that's uh, a search for you. So you won that game. I did. Obviously, yep. I did. And so so, uh, as a as a round, actually, as a team, uh, we won that round. Um, yes, we did. Which felt a little bit unexpected because uh, it was right down to the wire. Like, I think I was the first game to finish and I got a draw. Uh, and then Jim finished and he got a small loss. Greg got the win and it was like, oh boy, here we go. We're, we're even. <laughs> what's, what's this going to look like? Um, and it came down to Keith's game. And I think Keith, Keith ended up pulling out the win. Um, so we went up by, I don't know, 10, 10 points or something like that. Yeah, another small win. Another small win for us, but on, on uh, right at the end on what we were on table three or something like that. Yeah, the um, interesting thing was with the last round, it was uncapped, right? So you could score the whole 84 points if you wiped out your opponent. But we, I think only one team even got over the like 60-point artificial cap for all the other rounds. Well, you're playing tough, you're tough games at that point. Exactly. You should theoretically be matched up pretty close to who you're playing against, right? Right. Yeah. So they're yeah, that's actually a good indicator that that was working. So uh, where'd that leave us, Corey? So I think that so we talked about result overall results. So the winners of the event were the Drunken Disordered team, the the Nerd Hammer A team. Nerd Hammer A, <laughs> and they. Barely, I mean, it was really close at the top because then the aristocrats were second. And so I think they were within a few points of each other and they were circling each other the entire event there at the top tables. Right? Yep, and I think yep. even there, they, I think they played round three and it was even a, a close, uh, close pairing close round. Yep. Yep. And then the unplugged gamers finished third. Amazing. We, you know, we went into that tournament with very low expectations. Yeah. We, we and this like, is. Let it be known, the overall results were strictly battle because doing painting and sports and contributing to overall the team event like this is too complicated. Yeah, was, so there was at a, a at an event, very you know, minor, very minor. Yeah, based on battle, I was on a team that finished in third place, and and for <laughs> me, that's that's impressive. Right? Yeah, <laughs> this is a team that took tree herders just because. <laughs> Uh, yeah, came out pretty good. That's why it's hard to say just when the list you bring, because there's so much happening with the, the pairing process and then choosing the scenarios. You don't have to take a, a ball buster list to, to know that you're going to do well. You know, you can't like we gave, you know, and we did that. I don't think we did it super consciously. We didn't, we didn't go into it building armies saying, this is how, what our strategy is going to be, but reality 
every time we got to choose scenarios, we fed Keith scenarios where we felt he could get big wins. And so he played salt the earth like four out of five rounds. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and, uh, and, it, and it worked because he was able to get the wins with his, his style of kind of um, aggressive herd play. And, you know, there's some scenarios he didn't want to play, and that's great. We were able to just avoid those for him, and he's, he scored big points for us. Um, and that just, you know, adds up round after round. And it's just a similar thing with, um, you know, if you have somebody you don't want to play against, like like nobody wants to play against tomorrow, they can, okay, whatever. You can, you know, you can put an army down that you think will either mitigate that or isn't going to score big against this team anyway. Or so it's like you get those kinds of choices, and it's fun. Yeah, and it makes that's what makes team be more interesting because even though you know, okay, maybe I'm going to take a loss here, but what can I mitigate? Yeah, but. and there's always a discussion with the team of like, to John's point, like sometimes there were not every team we played, but some of the teams, like when we played the Aristocrats, right? Because Mike Zettelmeyer was on that team with his nine by nine ogres and nobody wanted to play it. Nope. <laughs> so nope. there's like a discussion of like, well, who's going to jump on the grenade. Right. And so That's that the right. other people, you know, can hopefully like, we want to give the other people advantageous situations so they could get wins. And then it doesn't matter that somebody lost to Zed because right. we'll still like win for the round. Right. 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 That didn't work that way. But because <laughs> we lost for the in round, theory. but in theory, that's the that's the idea, yeah. But when but when whereas like nobody wants to play that ogre list, um, yeah, you could somebody can take one for the team, and everybody can feel a little bit better about what just happened. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of you in the in the event because really we could also switch that up, like like uh, you know, round one, somebody might sit on that bomb, and be like, eh, nobody wants to play that. Round two, somebody else can be like, all right, I'll take the tough one this time. Depending on the uh, the vibe of your team, how competitive yeah. you are, <laughs> and that's and that's kind of the beauty of the team of that. So, Corey, I was interested to ask you after seeing this eighty person event, largest event you know that we've had in our area for a while. Like, what what were you noticing? Uh, about the state of the game right now, the competitive scene and the meta. And obviously we have a book coming that's going to shake things up a little bit. Not um, a ton. But, but I think really only a little bit. So what yeah. seemed to be, you know, the lists or the combos or the archetypes that that were um, reigning supreme at this event? Well, the interesting thing was Undead had a big comeback, right? Because there was, I think, 10 undead army lists uh at crossroads which again is different than what you would typically see in a lot of the singles events but a lot of people had the same feedback because if you can feed people the right matchups the undead are a great spoiler army right if they can if they can take a bad matchup and maybe not lose big or even maybe get a win so that was something that was kind of a, a turnaround again you know And Absolutely. A lot of ogres. I think ogres are a very popular army right now still. I don't think that's going to change even with the, the changes to uh, Clash of Kings or the, the new the new Big Red rule book. I think they'll still be very popular. Well, the some of the net the, the list, though, is going to go away. But, but they should still do a lot of the same stuff well. 
Right. Yeah, and I, I think the list. It's not like the rest of the list is bad with what you have to supplement it with. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah, but I think, and it's just interesting to note how much growth we've got in the community right now. Just a lot of teams that, and we've talked about all the new players. And I think uh, John had mentioned it at the beginning that uh, Crossroads is kind of the opportunity for Mid-Atlantic and Northeast to kind of all intermingle in the same event. I think we used to have a lot more crossover in the Northeast events with Mid-Atlantic players because they didn't have as many tournaments in there. They didn't. They would come up here a lot for events. Right. So now you have a lot more GT-level events in Mid-Atlantic which I think is great. It shows even even more growth in the hobby now. So I think that's kind of hand in hand with just the growth of the number of players too. There's more events to kick around and they're closer into population center. So you got people that are starting to play more. Great. You know, for a while we were the established <clears throat> scene around right. here and some people traveled, but now they've got all, a bunch of TTs and they're, they're doing really good. They're doing a lot of community building. So uh, they don't need to come up to the Northeast anymore. Exactly. So how about those other awards, Corey? Which team won, like, the best showing for a new team? Right. So the best new team, so again, I think we had five teams that kind of met the criteria for that, um, was Loaded Dice Club. And so they're actually a, a new club down in the Scranton, Pennsylvania area, um, kind of headed up by Chet Dudick. And I'm heading down there this coming Sunday, the 16th. Um, so the podcast will probably be out after that. But they do a lot of one days down there. Um, so they've got a rapidly growing little event, uh, little cluster of guys down there that are playing. So that's awesome. Uh, so they won the best new team. Um, best painted was the War Kings out of Cape Cod. And so it was War Kings. War Kings, right. I think it's hard to do. I mean, most people are just choosing people that they know, right? But so most of the teams that had really good painting had maybe two really amazing right. armies and then two above average armies right, right no right. no uh, no below average armies so that kind of held true for most of the people that did well on the appearance scoring side and then uh we, we did a team spirit award which uh, we did a team spirit award which, which kind of had like whoever had the best theme or chose to do something unique with their um, with their team, if they had maybe team shirts or uniforms or um, an intro video or something like that. And then we also mixed in uh, the best sporting, uh, best sportsmanship votes for the team. And so that's pretty much what that came down to was the best sportsmanship votes. And that was the, uh, the Battle Hammer Cats, which was kind of a conglomeration of Bart Kohler and Mike Adkins and Sean McCormley and uh, Joe Borgesi all out of the mid-Atlantic region region that kind of got left out of other teams. <laughs> team together to form one mighty sportsmanship team. An excellent team. <laughs> no and that's doubt. what they said. They're excellent like, wow, yeah. all of us leftovers are a pretty good team, right? So we had that, and then uh, the the overall award. I actually, I'm pretty proud of this. Is the uh, the overall winners got custom silk boxing robes for their team, which is pretty very unique. Never seen that before. Is, or is that something you picked up from a different GT? Have you, have you done that? In the no, past? I hadn't seen that before, and I think 
I mean, we got we so we got the the war kings in our area, right? So you're always trying to up the trophy game. Up with, and Melissa kind of shamed me after after Orktown. She's like, "Okay, that guitar is pretty sweet that you've got." She's like, "You got to come up with something really special for gotta do better." Yeah. <laughs> so so she kind of shamed me into it. And I was like, oh, "Okay, I want to figure out something." And I don't know. I had that just popped into my head. I was like, "Oh my god, that's a great idea." That's awesome. So, had those custom made, and I was like, okay, that's, that's a thing we're going to do from now on. Yeah, the uh, the awards were fantastic. Another one you've had for a couple of years running is for the Team Spirit Award, you do flasks yep. for each member of the team. And I know that because we won uh, that Team Spirit Award several years ago. And, uh, you know, part of our introduction is what you hear on the podcast when you fire up the podcast. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah, for, yes, but if you if you had seen, entrance. you know, there was there was a performance element to that, too, that you uh, sadly don't get when you're just listening in. Um, I, I, I still get those vibes when I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you were there, <laughs> you know. Um, so any any final thoughts? from either of you guys as we wrap up this episode? Crossroads is always a great time. So, you know, if you've got a group of people uh, that you like playing Kings of War with, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it's one of those, kind of like when we did Masters up in New York, it's one of those lock-in places. You just you get there, you have a great time. It's a really unique event. Uh, definitely worth checking out, even if it's not your, your local scene. Yeah, my hope is to get a couple of out of region teams to come next year. I think that's the only way to really grow outside of just the, the, uh, local player base. Yeah. Northeastern areas growing because I think we've pretty much got every single player from both, from both regions coming to crossroads at this point, but I'm hoping that we can get some of the players to kind of make the trip over from Ohio and maybe get a team to fly in as well from one of the other regions. I think yeah. that'd be nice. Maybe we can make a trade because I'm I'm thinking about going to um uh out to California for an event this year. So maybe we can convince Ditto. them to, to come to Ditto. New York too. So I think yeah, you're right. We'll do a little cross regional supplement. Yeah. That would yeah. be awesome. And I just uh you know John, I'm sure you know too, just when you run an event, there's all this stress and worry going up to the event. Yeah. And then once the event's happening, you're like, all right, this is great. You just Yeah, you then can, you just you get to have fun and enjoy, soak it in. Yeah, and then the, the post the post event glow, you're like, Yeah, it all went off without a hitch. It was super awesome. Yep. So I just uh and I appreciated just everybody that came out. There was a lot of a lot of good positive feedback that came from it too, and especially from a lot of the new players just saying how really awesome the community is. They didn't know what to expect with such a big event and how if it was going to be uber competitive, like other right. gaming events. Yeah. Cause some of these people were coming from other game systems. They, they had been playing war machine or X wing or Malifaux or whatever. And so they got a, you know, got a taste of what our community is. Like. Yep. And they, everybody's the people that I talked to that this was their first Kings award GT said, everybody was very gracious and helpful on the tabletop. He was about to game them or get an advantage on their newness, which I think speaks, Speaks to the type of people we got playing right. in this local meta, right? Yeah, absolutely. I played against a guy who it was his like fourth game or something like that. 
and you know, I just walk him through the rules. Hey, here's your options. Look at you know, look at what your possibilities are here. This is how this rule works before you go make a decision. Just you know, like. Yeah, if I could translate that for you, John was like, "So you can you you can move this unit here, and I'll shoot it off. Or you can move it there, and I'll shoot it off. You can move it there, and I'll shoot it off. Or you could back it up, and then you'll just lose the scenario. But the unit will survive, so I don't know. It's your call." That <laughs> was very helpful. You, yeah. It was very helpful. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna have one more uh, of these interviews from on the scene with Mike Rossi and one of the Crossroads teams, and that will take us out. Uh, so Corey, thanks again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the cast, and Thank I hope having, guys. you all uh, have a great night and take care. Night. It is Friday night of Crossroads, and I am here with Woo Woo indeed. I am here with a, a bunch of new players to Crossroads. The Shambling Mound. Um, the, hey, now it's awkward. Uh, bros from my team, or from my from my club back in Albany. Um, uh, so I have a question for you guys. Actually, first of, who am I talking to? Let's go around the let's go around the the list here. Tracy Bloom, Jeff Manning, Bill Stein, Nikita Losey. Jason Murphy. All right, so that that was uh, awkward. Uh, a little bit. I mean, it was like, here's my name. Please book me. All right, so. Well, wait a minute. What about like if you ask us what our armies are and stuff? You can just like, tell me all the things you need to know. Complain. And how long? Yeah, like, do you want me to do your job for you? Why don't you come over? No one can hear you wow. complaining at me. You're way over there, <laughs> which is great. We're gonna edit this out. He's like, yes, you're a dick bag. It's good. Nice. This makes a great radio. All right. Great. Why are you wheezing at me? <laughs> All right. So we wasted time. Now, question. Right, okay. Good. First year at Crossroads. First time doing a team tournament for Kings of War. Right. First time doing a team tournament for any game system. You guys play yes. this shit, right? First time. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. For game for teams. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So did you do what kind of prep did you do to get ready for like the, uh, a, a team tournament? I played a game. <laughs> One whole game. One game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Today was number twenty. Total. Total. Which is really good because you finished so high at Dead of Winter. I did, I did be Best General. Like yep. Yep. Yeah, I know, I did, right? I did. Not bad. That was probably like my dozen game. Yeah. Wow. Now, but I, you know, I'm a Ragnar and I'm going to be 55 in a couple weeks. So It's the it, it, men of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right behind you. Help yourself to that if you All want. All right, hold on. So so how about you? What do, what do we got? Um, well, I deliberately played around with a couple of different lists. I had to kind of mix results at Dead of Winter and... You know, I did pretty well at Orktown, I thought, for yeah. being new, and so I'm. I was trying different stuff with my ogres, and came up with what I thought would be, a, you know, kind of a hard list, but a decent list, and easier for me to run is really what I tried to do. Sure, cut out like thought out of the yeah, list. Like I'm not playing vampires on my undead because I can't deliver them because I'm too new. <laughs> right. So fuck that. Right. No, no, noted. Right. And you know, we strategized a bit. We played some games. Um, we kind of thought about things, and then the the hardest part was just getting a fourth team member, like finding somebody that would mesh with the rest of us. Sure. And uh, you know, trying to figure out what what this was going to be about. You know, I I thought a lot about the matchup process, and then realized that it's probably mostly random, and I shouldn't worry about it. <laughs> that is, I cannot wait because I just I just got done talking to the aristocrats. And they've got like oh a binder for every, for like a binder that they set with all of everybody's army lists in it. And it's like 
what are you going to do with that? And I asked, so what would you do against our team? And they had to flip, 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 flip. And they looked us up. It's like, you didn't even look us up ahead of time? Oh, my God. How dare you, right? Like, <laughs> what is so the, insulted. Well, I mean, what's the point of all the prep if you're not going to prep, right? You might as well just do it random, right? Yeah, you should memorize it all. <laughs> yeah, it's all up so, here. Yeah. So Nikita's brand new. He's played very few games. We've got him to play with us. And he's, using, he's borrowing an ogre army from Bill. And it's like... I basically helped him make that army, so it's a lot like my army. Okay. So it's like there's two armies that are really similar. So it's like if you get choice, you get to choose between two ogres. Right. You know, and, and that's the it. Same, so good luck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's legit. It's actually a legit strategy, right? I, I'm the guy that asked Corey if you could bring four of the same armies. And he said, well, nobody's done that before. And then I don't know if he changed the rules after I asked him or if it was always in the rules, but he forgot. But you're only allowed to have two of one. Clarification. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was after I asked him, he clarified the rules exactly. that you're only allowed to have two because – because Bill's got enough ogres that we all could have taken the exact same ogre army and said, Woo! <laughs> you can ogres! That's right. You get an ogre army and you, you get an ogre <laughs> army. And they're the same! <laughs> so, so, okay, so you, we're, we're playing board games now and hanging out, but, and drinking quite a bit. Um, looking, at the, looking at the armies that are here, is there anything that has caught your eye? I know you probably haven't had a chance to really look around too much. This will probably be a better question for tomorrow. There's I'm an a, awful interview. I mean, there's a lot of great armies. It's going to come down to can they pilot them? You know, right. like me, you know, like vampires? Yeah, they can't get in. So I'm not taking them. <laughs> the right. So, uh, <laughs> right, right. The last uh, GT that I went to, I played Corey Reynolds as the first opponent that I had. And I asked him the night before, I said, are you going to take it easy on me? And, and he said, I play the list. You got a really good list. And... Uh, you know, honestly, like I don't feel like that's the same. So he's like, "Hey, you guys are partnered up or paired up with a team that's like a bunch of new players too." And there's a really couple of hard lists in that that team. And it's like, yeah. how good are they though? You know, yeah. if that forces a nature player has got 12 games under his belt where he's been surging uh, greater Aralimil into the rear of every single opponent that he comes up against, yeah. it's gonna be like that's gonna be fun. Right. Glad I took like Siege nice Breakers. List, nice list, but. <laughs> but that's it. If he played, if he played it twice and he doesn't understand the nuance, hopefully he learns what he needed to do after you after beat him. After we play him, exactly. You should do this next time to whoever you play. And just yeah. so you know, how about some unsolicited advice? <laughs> People love that when you do that. By the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, this, this is where you fucked up. That's I'm right, sorry. Just so you know. Just so you know. It's ridiculous. The thing that I love is Don't when you go to a GT <laughs> because we're so new to the game. Right. You know, Tracy's played very few games, and Nikita's played even less. Bill and I are, are definitely raw, you know. I mean, Bill pl played in our last local tournament, and he did really well. Yeah. Um, so it's like coming on strong. Yeah. So it's like you know we're we're having fun, we're learning things, but the more you play, the more you see, the easier it gets to kind of right process it. So it's like there's this anticipation of like, oh my God, I've never played this person, I have no idea what this army does. Never played this army. Yeah. You know, Which Tracy's never part. played the army that he's big. playing before, so right. <laughs> no. But that's but that's big though, right? It's um, it's one. It's it, there's a couple ways to approach the game in terms of like mastery or whatever. But if you play the same thing and you play it for a long time, that stress test, you know, you know what you there's can get away with and what about. you can't. Like, exactly. I know it's going to do. Odd well, let's do say this many wounds and. Let's say that maybe you play dwarves or something, and you've been playing dwarves for like 17 years. <laughs> and it's the only army you play. So like you probably know exactly you what you're doing. Bit. You know exactly what you're doing. Even it's when you're true. like, hey, I'm going to play elves, and then you, you show up and you're playing dwarves still. It's like, it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> you know? You're like, hey, I won so this attacked. Ewok army, but I'm going to so keep attacked. playing dwarves. I'm, I'm actually I'm worried like, so let's see, there's three hordes of guys, those are three hordes of shipbreakers. I got good. I got to say, I said to Harry, I said, if I win that Ewok army, I'm going to play it at Crossroads, sight unseen. Wow. And Harry was like, that would be awesome. And then what happened? Somebody won that Ewok army, and then they did not play it at Crossroads. No, no, no. I, I still, I, I, I haven't even seen it yet. I still yeah. need to get it and bring it home. And then, you know. Oh, you want it? Yeah, yeah I did. I won it. It was amazing. <laughs> I, yay me. Um, yeah, I mean, one of, the, one of the things I actually want to highlight as a, as a thing for that is, as a community this year, every tournament we've done since, um, since Dead of Winter, actually before that, has had a charity component. And so we've sure. raised a bunch of money for charity as a, as a, as a Northeast scene over the course of the year. Like, we're leveraging the people here to do good stuff outside of just having a good time and boozing, you know what I mean? It's really kind of cool, yeah. you know? So I, nice. I think it's a response to COVID. One, you're gonna get people that weren't comfortable doing stuff. As they get more comfortable, they're gonna do things. And, you know, with COVID, everybody's always thinking about other people. At least good people are thinking about other people, right? Right, right. So you wanna help other people. You right. wanna do the good thing. But it's also nice because there's so, like, I've, we've never experienced anything this big. I used to play other game systems, and I never played in a tournament this big, this kind of welcoming community, and the quality of the like painting and modeling and all that stuff. It's something, right? Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, okay, so new Clash of Kings update is coming out right in a couple weeks. If there was one change you would like to see with the game that would either make it more interesting or more balanced, what would it be, do you think? So my primary game is Infinity, uh -huh. and it's all digital. You have to play with their minis, that's a difference. Sure. But, you know, Mantic, they charge you if you want the app, their, their, their website. So that's great. It's a great way for them to make money, but similar to Infinity, you can always do digital updates instead of waiting a year to balance shit out. Right. And that's one place that I find a, a little bit offsetting where you can balance things out much earlier. You have all the data coming in from all the tournaments. You know what's happening. You can make legitimate changes so that you keep the imbalances going out instead of like, oh, which which aren't, which faction am I going to play? Well, there's no sense in me playing EOD because they suck right now. I'm going to take Night Stalkers or Sylvankin or Undead. Like, right. Not that the others can't do as well, but if you're... you're taking a deficit to do that. Agreed. And that that's unfortunate for the game. Right. Um, so that's what I would like to see is, hey, you can update every couple of months. You can update three months, four months, but a year is a long time in where we are with data. So, yeah, so a shift to a digital rule set would allow you to be more agile as far as that goes, right? Yeah, where you can update, unit, update units and, and you don't have to make facts because it's like, oh, that just dropped three points. Okay, five points. Done. Yeah, now we know. Right. How about you? So I have a local kind of change that I'd like to see. I mean, we have a running total of points for people that are you know, vying for masters, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So I would love to see if the first matchups at tournaments were based off of those point totals of the rankings of, of them, the rankings, huh? so yeah, that kind of like so that rankings. why why wow. do you get a pass on the first game? You know, like I, this was a big when I played Bolt Action, you'd have like the best player in the tournament playing a guy that just bought an army, and it would be like, um, well, that was an easy win. Go club that seal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay. So you know, I'd like to see the big dogs have to fight the entire weekend long. Sure. Why not? I mean, and that's why, that's it, why you're a big and, dog, and right? Put, like an ELO rating would be great in this right. game, which Infinity think, has also. I think you already have that in the, in the you know, both, all the regions, basically. And then the other thing is, I mean, I don't that's know, I'm, I kind of jump on bandwagons and stuff, so 
and I also like low model count stuff, so I would love to see a Titan-based army, where they already have ogres, which you can play with, you know, 40 models. But right. it would be cool to have an army that you could play with 10 models. Sure. You know? That's, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I'm trying to get my head around how that would look, but that's, like, super awesome. I right? mean, it would basically be, uh, you know, Titans that are a little bit better, but a little bit more restricted in certain ways. Sure. You know? It'd be so, weird with the Unistrength, though, right? I mean, if each of them were Unistrength 1, you're giving up a lot of... You're, you're getting a lot of combat power, but you're giving up the Unistrength for the, for, the, for the scenarios. Well, I think that you would have Titans... Certain Titans in that army would be multiple unit strengths. Okay. So yeah. instead of 1, they would be 2. You're not the first so person not, to say that. They're not as good as 3 or 4, right. but they're also... They're they're viable, sure, and they have the combat potential of most regular regiments. Okay, you know, so maybe they're not a hammer list. You right. might think, oh, that's a hammer list. It's not so much a hammer list. It's more finesse because you have to hit with multiple units, yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, maybe there's some kind of chaff or something, but that would be that'd be a fun army. That could be your negative. You don't have chaff, you know, right. but you have mobility. Right, you know, right, right. There's options, and you yeah. Know. Well, there's all kinds of rules that you can throw out there to make it viable. Sure. And, you know, to piggyback on what he said, a digital rule set, you can change those, you know, every two months. Right. And if you make it so that if you want to play, yeah, you can get the basics, but can you maybe not save army lists? Right. Unless you pay. Right. And you double or triple the pay per month, which is really not a big deal because you use any fucking mini you want. Excuse me. Sorry. No, it's all good. Um, which is great. Right. You know, where I play Infinity, you have to buy their minis. Yeah. The, everything else is free. The rules, everything else. See, they need to make their money. It's Mantic. It's a sure. company. Sure. But there's other ways to do it and still keep, you know, it's freaking 2022. Yeah, a, a digital rule set and some STLs and you're off to the races, to be yeah. honest, right? Yep. I mean, yeah. Yeah, basically. I think, I think that's the thing. I think this game system is the tournament system. You know, I don't know a lot of people that are playing in the basement on a regular basis. Right. I think that people come out for GTs more than anything else, you know? Sure. And when you look so. at that kind of antiquated, I just bought, I just started this year. Right. Less than a year. I bought three rule books, and now you're going to ask me in the fall to buy another rule book. Yeah, it's all timing, but yeah, totally. But still. But yeah, like, I agreed. Come on. And I don't mind giving the money, but where am I going to give it? Right. And if... If it's updated rules that are consistent, you know, I'm, I'm feeding the digital. I'm, I'm beating a dead horse. I'm sorry. No, I got it though. But so. it's, but it's, it's. I, I don't think you're the only one beating that drum, dude. I'll tell you that right now. Right. Totally. All right. Before we, uh, wow. Okay. So before we, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to say to our, um, to our dozens of listeners? Our dozens of listeners. Well, I, I really don't know what our numbers are to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's okay. You know, I listen. Yeah, yeah. It's great. There it is. Nice. Dozens plus. There you go. So, yeah. Any, anything you want to? And uh, any notes you want to end on? Keep shambling, you know? Keep shambling, yeah. right? All right. So countercharging, get out of here. Get the yeah. shambling instead. You got to shamble. I like it. Thank, Thank you. Good. Welcome right. to Card Countercharge. <laughs> <laughs>